Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello, my name is Greg Monteith. This episode is part of a 10-part mini-series introducing the Foundations of Flourishing Curriculum 1 called First Steps. This episode, part 5, is a roundup of the past four episodes, and my aim was that it would help cement the first half of the curriculum in order better to prepare participants for the upcoming and more challenging second half of the First Steps curriculum. The first four episodes covered the first four modules of First Steps, and they focused on the following areas. First, on legalism, fear, and ignorance. Second, on understanding fear, particularly. Third, on personal inventory taking. Fourth, on interpersonal communication skills. Now, these four episodes were numbered 165 through 168. However, last episode, number 169, may have seemed like a massive departure from the miniseries, yet it actually highlighted a key aspect of the work of the Foundations of Flourishing program. Notably, it highlighted that, and I'm going to quote from that episode, it highlighted that the Foundations of Flourishing program and the entire integration project, of which it is a part, is not primarily an educational effort. In other words, it's not mainly aimed at providing information or at teaching techniques or strategies. Instead, it is above all a response to a problem, to what I see as a major and critical problem within evangelical Christianity. To put it simply, the integration project and the foundations of flourishing curriculums are not designed to make what is currently a good thing great, or even to make an acceptable thing better, They are instead designed to make what is essentially a dysfunctional thing functional, to make something that is broken actually work. To be completely clear, the thing that I am referencing or referring to is evangelical Christianity. And my point is that evangelical Christianity is not simply in need of some improvement here or there. Instead, I am saying that evangelical Christianity is fundamentally broken. I am of the opinion, in other words, that the evangelical church, by and large, cannot carry out its role as either imaging Christ or as offering a viable and valuable embodiment of Christianity. What I mean is that, in key ways, the evangelical church is neither able to help those inside become truly Christ-like, nor is it able effectively to persuade those outside that Christ-likeness is a valuable or viable way of being. To put it in Christian terms, In my view, the evangelical church essentially fails at both discipleship and the Great Commission. That's what I said in last episode, number 169. Now, this is a massive statement. It's a bombshell, really. To clarify my position, I defined this brokenness as dysfunction and then presented one example of this dysfunction, that being the inability and or unwillingness of church leaders to accept challenge, critique, or even engage in productive dialogue with those who hold dissenting views. I noted that this this dysfunctional orientation within evangelical church leadership has at least three problematic symptoms. And I'm going to quote again from the last um, episode. First, in the typical evangelical church, there is a pronounced distinction between leaders and followers that has created an atmosphere that severely overstates expectations of leaders and severely underplays expectations of non-leaders. Second, this pronounced distinction normalizes excessive trust in and loyalty toward leadership 
and results at best in leaders believing that they are more capable than they really are. At worst, it results in what we, what we might call a cult of the leader, where the pastor or minister accepts and even promotes at some level his or her own veneration. Third, this excess and misuse of trust creates a normative understanding of the pastor's authority on any and all matters related to faith, with the implication that dialogue is ultimately unimportant and perhaps even unnecessary because leaders are there to declare and explain the truth, not to discuss it. Or, more strangely still, worse still, to be seriously questioned or even taken to task over their view of the truth. That's what I said in episode number 169. So why am I repeating the points that I made in the previous episode? I am repeating these points because it may appear that my views are in conflict with each other, such that this fairly all-encompassing critique of evangelical Christianity seems to contradict, or may seem to contradict, my strong affirmation of the value of Christianity in general, which has been a main focus of the podcast. Particularly, my comments of last episode are far bleaker and more negative than any that I have offered on the podcast to this point. On the one hand, this is due to the format that the podcast has taken, where John Polstra and I began first by reviewing several books, written by evangelicals, and following this, our later podcasts maintained a rather discussional format, with John typically raising issues or bringing questions upon which I offered commentary and perspective. And of course, this format also helped our discussions remain in keeping with the podcast's tagline. We examined, and I offered perspectives to diffuse, quote, destructive ideologies, and to unsnarl, quote, unconfused ideas within Christian belief and practice, and those are part of the tagline. Uh, And we considered Christianity from a perspective where love and truth, truth and love, are co-central. So my goal in repeating the key points of last episode is to highlight a new focus for the podcast, one that began last episode and will become increasingly prevalent as I go on. This new focus is to clarify the origins of the fundamental flaws in evangelical Christianity and the entrenched dysfunction that results In other words, to present the problem as fully and convincingly as possible, and to present in response the solutions that I believe are necessary to overcome and eliminate the sources of these flaws and their outworking as systematic dysfunction. Up to this point in the Untangling Christianity podcast, I've been sporadic rather than systematic about detailing the problems that exist within evangelical Christianity, and oftentimes my focus has been to present the solution rather than detail the problem, particularly so in terms of recent podcasts, such as this mini-series on the Foundations of Flourishing curriculum. Now, I noted a moment ago that my comment last episode, or my comments, were far bleaker, and my critique was far more widespread than it has been in past, and that this was partly due to the format the podcast has taken up to this point. There is, however, another reason for this more direct and hard-hitting critique on my part. As anyone listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast for any length of time will be aware, today's podcast comes after the longest pause between recordings in the history of the podcast. Earlier this summer, I had the opportunity to take a professional development course where we focused on something called contextual intelligence. I used this opportunity to focus on the integration project. While doing so, I examined the relationship between evangelical Christianity and the integration project from a systems perspective, that is, from the perspective of systems theory, 
And the more that I did so, the more I began to see why my experiences with implementing the integration project had met with so many obstacles and impasses. In short, what I found by examining evangelical Christianity and the integration project together from a system systems perspective was both remarkably disturbing to me, yet also completely consistent with all of my experiences of presenting the integration project within evangelical churches and within the evangelical community generally. Originally, I intended this episode to detail the events and understandings that I gleaned from this systems-based examination. Instead, however, at this point, I will simply highlight three findings related to the systems of or within Christianity, and then offer some comments that connect these findings to the foundations of flourishing curriculum one. First, there is no point of connection between evangelical Christianity at a day-to-day or popular non-academic level and any outside perspectives. This is epitomized by the view among evangelicals, whether tacit or overt, that when it comes to Christian belief and practice, Christians don't learn from outsiders. They convert and teach outsiders. Yet this unidirectionality is a problem, as I will demonstrate in later episodes. Second, there is no point of connection between my own efforts as a Christian who identifies with much of evangelicalism, to identify, so my efforts as a Christian, to identify new problems and offer novel forms of assistance to churches and individuals, and the existing ability or willingness of such churches and individuals to recognize the problems or value the assistance. The static conception of problems and the limited stock of solutions here is also a problem. Third, The systems at work within evangelicalism that silo and segregate the church from outsiders and the important resources that these outsiders offer, these systems are not accidental, but actually essential. Nor is their nature visible as such, but it's hidden. In other words, adherence to these systems represents upholding a, if you like, standard of faithfulness within these evangelical communities such that failing to uphold them is not viewed as dissent or having a different opinion, but as being wayward and actually anti-Christian. So while the above realizations make me believe that the work that I am doing with the integration project is more important than ever, the upshot of these three points is that, effectively, the systems at work within typical evangelical churches actually prevent evangelicals from recognizing the necessity or even the value of this work or others like it. And frankly, this lack of recognition is exactly what I've been experiencing to this point. By contrast, it is those who are on the margins of or who have been even marginalized by evangelical Christianity and so are more keenly aware of its failings and its flaws who have recognized the value of the Integration Project's content whereas those who are generally comfortable within the evangelical tradition and view it to be functional and effective perceive little value and no need for the work represented by the integration project. Today's episode, then, is a roundup of episodes 165 through 168 by way of summarizing the steps that led me to adopt this new focus, the findings from my systems-based examination, and thus 
the more critical perspective that I take towards evangelical Christianity. Yet it is also a roundup by way of reaffirming and clarifying what I find to be the value proposition within Christianity. My reason, if you will, for affirming that the Christian faith and being Christian are valuable despite the deep flaws and dysfunction of evangelicalism. A systems-based perspective helped me to clarify and confirm the significant disconnect between the need the typical evangelical communities perceive for such things as inventory-taking, communication skills, conceptual awareness, and self-deceit, in other words, some of the focal areas of the foundation of flourishing curriculums, and the actual need that these evangelical communities demonstrate and that can be perceived by living within them. Stated differently, there is a massive gap between the current static conception of problems and the limited stock of solutions as conceived by evangelical Christianity and the ability to identify new problems and offer novel forms of assistance from a Christian perspective as offered through curriculums such as Foundations of Flourishing. Importantly, this disconnect is very similar to the disconnect that occurs between how effective evangelicals perceive themselves to be and how quote-unquote effective, if you will, outsiders, or those who hold viewpoints at odds with Christianity, perceive evangelicals to actually be. And the difference is shocking. So where the evangelical church is arguably the institution chiefly responsible for fostering and transmitting Christianity, this disconnect is an important example of the profound brokenness that I referenced earlier. On the positive side, my reasons for affirming that the Christian faith and being Christian are valuable, despite the deep flaws and dysfunction of evangelicalism, begin with my belief that Christianity is essential for human flourishing. Specifically, I believe that humans are able to be their best selves through being in a love relationship or in love relationships, plural, based on truth. And that the fullest example of such a relationship is where it occurs with one who knows me more truly than I know myself and loves me better or more deeply than I love myself. And based on both my understanding and my experience, this is how I characterize the relationship between the Christian God and human beings. Yet I believe that the only viable way to perceive and connect with this valuable, with what is valuable in Christianity, requires engagement with and cultivation of certain skills, dispositions, and knowledge that are typically ignored or even rejected by the evangelical church. So by repeating key points from the previous episode, it is my hope to begin to offer insights into how evangelicals have created systems that have both isolated their beliefs and views and their practices in embodying these beliefs and views from outside perspectives and have entrenched some very problematic, anti-human, and indeed anti-Christian modes of being, seeing, and doing that require outside input in order to correct. Indeed, part of the dysfunction that I mentioned is that many evangelicals would see this isolation from outside perspectives as a good thing. They read isolation as being separate, or being set apart to God, or perhaps as being holy, and they tend to think of outside perspectives as sinful, or ungodly, or simply as secular, and so unimportant. Yet in doing so, evangelicals seem to have overlooked or ignored that these outside perspectives may be true, and, more problematically, that their evangelical views and beliefs may be false, 
and that their embodiments of those beliefs may be self-serving. In other words, sin affects Christians just as well as non-Christians, and sin also has epistemic implications. It affects and impacts what and how we know. When seen from this perspective, evangelicals have created systems that effectively cut themselves off from potentially valuable resources. In this case, the very resources that will allow them to identify where their views and practices are actually sinful and self-serving. Part of the role, then, of the Foundations of Flourishing curriculums is to begin to reintroduce these resources with the goal of aiding Christians to re-understand, reformulate, and reapply their faith in an integrated fashion, where love and truth, truth and love, are co-central as both mutually affirming and mutually critiquing. It is only in this way, expressed in terms of systems theory, that evangelical Christianity can overcome its propensity to being a closed and impermeable system, one that is not open to, nor has any positive orientation toward, being impacted from the outside. We will only get to a vibrant and viable integration of faith and life once these dysfunctional, closed systems have been defeated. Hence, the new focus of the Untangling Christianity podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.